Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, friendo, Steve here. And Lars. And welcome back to Going In Raw, Undertaker, The Last Rad Review. This is uh, episode three. I forgot to write down what the actual name of this episode was, Lars. End of an era. End of an oh, that's right. End of an era, uh, where they uh, talk about uh, the end of the the end of an era match quite a bit. I feel like this episode was the the word that I I you I would use to describe it was ponderous because yeah. it sort of meandered throughout the last sort of bulk. Of matches, his, his his the last little catalog of matches that he had. Well, it, it, it focused on his series of matches going back years against Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and I it it, it was it was effective in focusing on that because it built up kind of the crescendo. the The endpoint of it was the disastrous match that that uh, Kane Undertaker had against Shawn Michaels and Triple H at a, one of the uh, Saudi shows. Yeah. And, you know, this whole this whole narrative going through the entirety of The Last Ride is Undertaker looking for the essentially perfect scenario, have the perfect match by which he could feel comfortable retiring because that's what Sean had. He wants that too. Is he aware that he had that opportunity? He had that. Oh, my he God. And he, the era match was it. That was that was totally it. That was absolutely it. Um, you know, the, the, the yeah, he... he pontificates quite a bit about that match and you get the final image of all three guys standing there the 20 and oh the perfect number you know to to go out on and then he doesn't and i'm kind of disappointed that he didn't really you know express why he didn't go out at that point i mean they didn't really because was the next year the brock match or was it two years later the next year was cm punk okay but then 30 was uh yeah that was 29 and 30 was the Brock match? It makes you wonder. Okay, man, why? Like he, why didn't he see this as the perfect point? Um, so yeah, it it is. This is the episode really goes through because you're, we're going through so many things. I mean, they talk about he had the greatest Rumble casket match versus Rusev, which at this point, if he's thinking about what his last match is going to be, and each one is an, he even says. Like in the the aftermath of this match, I can't take any match for granted. 
All the yeah. matches have to mean something. And they gave him a casket match from Madison Square Garden. I didn't. I did not understand that at all. Uh, oh yeah, no, the, restart, that, was that, bit, was, that was the greatest Rumble match. Yeah, yeah, that one was a bit of an outlier because, like the 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 Super Showdown one, the one in Australia, that was motivated in so much as that they wanted to motivate the tag match. Sure. At, yeah. At uh, the subsequent Saudi show, which he says in this, if they had gone as planned, mm-hmm. he might have been content to say that's that. Yeah, I wonder if he views. I wonder if subsequently or in retrospect. I mean, look, there there is this thing that hasn't been talked about, which is money. He is, I mean, you, you have to think that maybe one aspect of it is after the end of an era, especially when the Saudi deal came around, they were probably throwing money hand over fist at Mark Calloway at this point to come and do these shows. And you could romanticize, you know, because he'd romanticize the Saudi stuff a little bit in this. He says, it's great to be part of all this and it's an honor and blah, blah, blah. And but, you know, that the, the bottom line is he was probably bringing in a decent chunk of change oh, yeah. for these last matches. Um, but, yeah, they try to frame it as he's looking for the perfect match to go out on. And he you know, it's either he feels great. The match is crap. The match is too short. Uh, you know, it's 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 this endless, you know, like they call it a vicious cycle over and like over. Catch twenty two, where you have a really good match. That's what Triple like, H oh, refers can, to it. Yes, I can go, I can go and do it again. Um, and uh, part of me, you know, they it seems like Michelle, several other people, are just somewhat convinced that he just has a hard time stepping away. Period. So even if he is presented with the perfect opportunity, the perfect matchup, he wrestles. He and his punt wrestle the perfect match to to. You know, put an end to his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, even then, he might not have the the wherewithal to step away. Another part of it, I'm wondering too, is if he feels so loyal to Vince that if Vince calls him up and says, "Mark, I need you," right? Like, can he say no? Right, right, right. There, can he say yeah. no to Vince? And I think that's really a thing. Like, if if for a number of years, I know the the Saudi show was kind of an outlier, but we've seen this with with Stone Cold. You, you, you're telling me Vince hasn't called Shawn Michaels or Stone Cold? Hey, you, you'd be interested in getting back in the ring. Right, right, yeah. I I can't say with any degree of certainty that that has or hasn't happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. And seemingly, apart from one instance where Shawn Michaels uh, got the bug enough to get back in the ring again, um, both those guys, if they were approached, said no. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Undertaker can tell Vince no. Yeah, I mean, he's he's said several times, you know, if he needs me, I'll be there for him. Mm-hmm. He is a very loyal person. Another thing this episode I felt did, and we'll get we'll circle back around to the matches in a second, was I thought that there were moments in this that, you know, and we've we've seen this for the for the, throughout the first two episodes that really brought him down to earth as just one of the guys. There was the whole scene with him playing cards with uh, James, his sort of handler guy, I guess. Um, well, it was the one of the dudes, the, the trainer. He was one of the trainers. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, one of the trainers, yeah. And uh, and Kane and Glenn Jacobs was there, and he speaks very effusively about Jen, Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. And he's playing cards with the guy, and he's, like, super competitive. But, like, you know, it's not like Jordan levels of competition where it's just crazy. But he just seems like the most down-to-earth dude um, as soon as you get the, like the, the little moment that really struck me because it's, it's very relatable was when after the Cena match, 
when uh, the kid says his his daughter says, I can't believe daddy won. And he explains every time I win, she happens to fall asleep. And so she only has seen my losses. So she was surprised. And he sort of looks and he like, you know, gives her that look that I have given Alabama many times in my in, in our lives. And uh, and so it, it, it you know, the last episode did this a lot. Also, basically with his uh, relationship with Michelle. Mm-hmm. But I saw this a lot when, you know, just his sort of fly in the wall moments that were captured in this, that were presented in this. And you see Kane over there just sort of cracking up in the, you know, and then all the talk that triple H had about his leadership role in the locker room and Glenn Jacobs, uh, Kane was talking about, you know, so many guys were so protective of their spots when he came into the business. And he says, Mark wasn't like that. He always wanted to elevate the younger talent. And that's Mm -hmm. why he evolved into a locker room leader. And I Mm -hmm. thought that stuff was really, really interesting. There was that Triple H uh, spoke pretty effusively about the Undertaker, describing him as a locker room leader. Said when he and Stephanie were getting together and people, you know, were were kind of poo pooing it. Uh, he said uh, Undertaker is one of the first people he talked to, and uh, Undertaker pretty much said to him, uh, "You don't, you shouldn't care what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Do what you want to do." Yeah, I, I think I, I think we had heard that story before. Um, that Undertaker uh, was like, "Yeah, screw all those people. Do what you're gonna do." Yeah. Um, and then you know he yeah. told he tells a story of when Triple H got good with Undertaker. Uh, you drinking, know he comes drinking in the, shots of Jack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought that, that those little things are really good. Um, getting back the, to the, the matches. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to talk about the uh, they they touched on uh, Shawn Michaels Undertaker's relationship, kind of before and after Shawn Michaels had to retire, and and you know the. Undertaker made no bones about the fact that he was not a fan of Shawn Michaels on a personal level. Right, not many people his were. Initial yeah. run. However, he did realize the chemistry they had in the ring. Mm-hmm. And Shawn Michaels kind of uh, suggested that, yeah, he may not have liked me, but he respected me based on what we could do together in the ring. So it mm-hmm. always kind of worked out. But then they said, you know, he, he took his leave. Uh, you know, he, he became a new, a, a new man. Yeah. Um, he found God and uh, came back, and he was basically a different person. I wonder they the the one of the more interesting things in recent history was the the four year series between him and HBK and Triple H culminating so at good. the end of an era, and you know when 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 he talks about this is four years that's unheard of these days. I mean they don't have they they don't have the I mean they have the guys that they could build a four year program with. They just don't do it. They really don't. Sometimes they stumble into long-term uh, yeah. storylines if some people get hot and they're like, oh, hey, we can reference what they did in the past because they happen to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a deliberate thing. Once he was going through the second match with uh, with HBK, the retirement match, he went to Triple H and said, hey, do you, you want to do something now? We can continue the story through you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and number one interesting thing about that is the fact that Undertaker was so interested in the storytelling aspect of it that he was one who came up with, hey, we can extend this thing two more years. Um, That was interesting. Um, His relationship with HBK, yeah, how, you know, he basically said he was a brand new person. One of the things that's so kind of overlooked there is the fact that the two guys known for being the biggest politickers put this guy over for four years. That cannot be understated that they continued this streak. And I know Triple H had been on record during the um, the Undertaker, uh, the, the initial DVD they did, mm-hmm. where he mm-hmm. sort of was breaking character and people were talking about him. 
how he said, yeah, I don't. It was before the Brock match. He says, I don't think the Undertaker streak should ever be broken, and that yeah. felt like a yeah. shoot. That felt like he that was his actual sentiment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like from that standpoint, two guys who respected the industry obviously and the legacy and the history of the undertaker it seems like maybe a no-brainer that they would both job to him four years in a row at the same time these guys were also big time politickers Mm -hmm. and triple h still had at the end of an era match he still had some left in the tank like he wasn't really calling it a day at that point um you know it could have made total sense for triple h to have won that last match but undertaker kicked out of a super kick pedigree combo and ended up winning. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought that, you know, when confronted with this again, it's like, man, that's kind of crazy. The two biggest politickers in the game job to this guy for four years in a row on the biggest stage of them all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm happy Undertaker appreciated the the significance of the storytelling, especially at the end of the air match. Because um, it, it is it is a masterpiece in terms of culminating a four-year story um, with tons of drama. And as Undertaker put it up to that point, uh, it seemed to be the most conceivable time uh, when the streak could potentially end. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, based on the odds that he was facing in the ring. Uh, you could tell it meant a lot to him. Um, he says Triple H gave himself and Shawn Michaels a frayed picture. I think of a piece of uh, Shawn Michaels' ref jersey, maybe a piece of the mat, mm-hmm. um, with the autographed pictures of each of them at the top of the stage embracing. And he says it's, it's hanging above the door to my gym. Lady Jim, maybe. Lady Jim. Um, uh, and he said it's, it's, it's one of, if not like the most important moment of his entire career. Yeah. And I yeah. kind of wish that there would be a moment where he might discuss why that wasn't the perfect time. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's as close, at least in the matches that he has had subsequently, that's as close he has gotten to having a Shawn Michaels type moment where he can retire and it's like a perfect wrap up. It's like the perfect opponent. Everything about it is about as perfect as it's going to get. It seems like for the undertaker. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't take advantage of it. Maybe at that time, I don't like think of maybe at that time he wasn't really seriously entertained the idea of retiring, but everything about the buildup that made it seem like that was it. That would seem to be the case that at that point, he just had not considered because he still had the punk match a year later. He had Brock the year after that. He still had, he had Bray after that. He still had like, I don't, I just simply don't know if it, it even occurred to him mm-hmm. at that point. I mean, you would think that all his conversations with uh, Shawn Michaels, especially, you know, in the lead up to 26, the retirement match that that would broke that, that would come to him as well. Um, again, that might just be one of those things where it was like, well, I'm making a bunch of money. I wrestle once a year. Why would I stop? I mean, the practicality of it is, yeah, legacies are great, but I can continue my, I can, I can, I can figure that out after I cash these checks. You know what Maybe, I mean? I yeah. mean, the bottom line is people need money. Um, yeah. Um, so, and he, you know, he, he, he was obviously in some serious physical decline leading up to mania 33. And I think in the first episode, he mentioned that, uh, like he hadn't really felt good since either 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. It was one of the Sean matches, um, and maybe it was a, ser- a situation where, for a number of years, yeah, he was dealing with the, the 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 pain and the injuries, but it was manageable up to a point. Yeah, where going to that Roman match, he felt like, okay, now it's get the point where it's not manageable. Mm-hmm, yeah, can I suck it up? Can I get through one last match uh, uh, with a good opponent to wrap things up? Mm-hmm. 
can we deliver performance on the level that I want to, the people to remember me by, uh, so I can walk away from this and, and, and heal my body? And if, I wonder if it was a situation where the match wasn't kind of uh, as good as he wanted it to be, if if he could have been at peace with that being his final match. Oh, the Roman match. one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it seemed like that from, from the first episode when, or from the second episode when he was talking about it. it. It totally seemed like that. I mean, who knows if it was like the greatest match ever. I mean, dude, all the all the rigmarole with him, the hat and the coat, like you and I both thought that was it. That was yeah. done. And in yeah. fact, all that stuff really superseded how not great the match was. It's like mm-hmm. they did the match. He did what he could do. I, I, I remember my, I, if I recall correctly, my opinion on that match was like, man, yeah, it wasn't great, but God, he gutted it out. Like it was mm-hmm. obvious that he wasn't, you know, working on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah. But like the fact that he did what he did, I thought that was very impressive. And, and the endless analogies for, uh, you know, Western movies or or, or old mm-hmm. West characters that he likes to employ and everybody else mm-hmm. around him likes to employ, including Jr. with the mustard stain in his goatee. Um, I was watching on the 70 inch and he's got the big old chunky. Like I got his it right here. He had like a big old chunky yellow in his goatee. I was cracking up, had myself a hot dog earlier. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems to be the case, but you know, at the same time, he loves using that analogy of like the old gunslinger and you know, the idea of, of retiring on top when you still have something left in the tank that just doesn't seem to appeal to him, <laughs> you know? Well, it does because that's what he wants. He wants that. He wants to go out on top. He wants to go out on one last he match. He has talked situation. about he, – he wants to have one last great match, but he's talked about going out on his shield so many times. I know. He, it's, 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 it's like he's got this romantic vision of how he wants to retire versus – I wonder if he kind of – Either it's a worry or it's a, 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 a rational realization how it's more likely to happen. I think he wants to go out on top. Mm-hmm. He wants to go out having a five-star match against the perfect opponent in the perfect uh, venue in front of the perfect crowd to wrap up his career perfectly. More than likely, though, it's not going to be that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. He, 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 he has a very romantic version of what he wants to happen seemingly up here, but at the same time, he seems to realize the reality of the situation that he's getting up there in years. His body's not what it used to be. Um, uh, the opportunities he's going to get at this state in the, stage in his career to get those perfect matchups, to get those perfect venues, to get the perfect match are, are dwindling by the day. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, I thought that it was interesting. And again, you know, he's got such a, mystique about him that obviously this is designed to uh transition them you know out of the mystique and into the man um when he talked about the legendary madison square garden with such a reverence i thought i i it's i'm just the fact that there seems to be no nothing is jaded about him mm-hmm. at least in this documentary as he's presented he is not in the least way jaded. This is a guy, and it's funny because McMahon talks about, you know, looking in the mirror and wanting to, it, it's obvious that, and even Vince McMahon loves pro wrestling and The Undertaker loves pro wrestling, everything about it so much. And that seems to also be one thing that's simply keeping him from real, like the, the this might be the deepest thing is that he loves doing it so damn much that mm-hmm. like calling it and having such a problem, 
with the idea of not being able to do this, this thing that you love so much, I, I think is probably the deepest thing that that he's that he can't come to terms with, mm-hmm. and he's not letting himself come to terms with it. Mm-hmm. It's I have this perfect match, uh, so I want to do another one. Oh, this one, this is going to be my last one. It sucks. I got to do another one to redeem it. At the end of the day, it just seems like he loves to do pro wrestling. You know, when he had that little moment of pause talking about Madison Square Garden, I was like, man, that means so much to him. And it's almost as if he's like, because he talks about, you know, this might be the last time I'm at Madison Square Garden. And then the camera sits on him and he just sort of grunts. He goes, "Mm." like, Mm -hmm. it just eats at him. And he hates the idea that this is the last time he's going to do anything, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's to, to me, it's, it's so interesting to see somebody. It's nice to see somebody love something so much. You know, you often think about retirement when it comes to a nine to five, you know, working person's job, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh man, I can't wait to retire and then enjoy my retirement. Mm-hmm. These people don't want to retire because they love doing this shit so much. Mm-hmm. And that to me is such an interesting thing that is so it seems to be unique to pro wrestling. People love that pop. They love the cheers. They love the crowd. And when he talked about being in the ring and giving the fans eye contact, that was deep. That's yeah, pretty deep right there, you know? Something he said he never he he doesn't ever do. Yeah. Yeah. But after that last what he thought was his last MSG show, he just he said he was in the ring and soaked it in and and yeah. And the eye contact, like, can you yeah. imagine being there and Mark Calloway giving you eye contact? That, that'd That's give me chills. Else, man. Yeah, I would not forget that moment for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I thought that this was. Uh, I, I that there's uh, just one small thing too that I thought. Oh, two two small things that I thought was hilarious. Number one, he talked about uh, certain wrestlers being bad luck when they walk into a room and he has to tell them to leave. And he said Hornswoggle, Big Show, and I didn't catch the last name. Uh, uh, Tony Chimmel. Okay, okay. That's who I thought he said, but I didn't catch. Uh, that was funny. And then I thought it was hilarious that he blamed that Saudi tag match against DX on family drama that him and Michelle were having with other members of his family. And I am just thoroughly curious as to what that would be because it could be the stupidest thing or it could be something really deep. You know, it could be yeah. like yeah. an argument over a will, or it could be some uh, a party foul at Thanksgiving, you know, yep. that yep. ruined. But God, come on, that match went way beyond, you know, his it's head Triple not H, being in the game. Triple H tore his peck pretty early on that match, he did. my understanding. I still yeah. haven't seen it. I've seen enough. Um so yeah, I thought that was that was silly stuff. But all in all, I thought it was just it was a ponderous episode. I thought they they spent a little too much time talking about end of an era because a lot of the stuff I just knew already. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was pretty interesting that just they took his last big batch of matches and just sort of you know they they were a bit ponderous about why were these none of his last matches? You know? Yeah, no. And then the next episode, he gets to talk about wrestling Goldberg. Oh my God, yeesh. Give me an hour on that. I don't want. I, oh God, give me an hour on his real thoughts, and then I'll be happy. But yeah, there is no way it. he's going to be anything but diplomatic about this. Yeah, this whole time he's been really diplomatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to interview Goldberg about this. I don't know. <laughs> no one, no, no one. Bill, I could, I could. He's always been pretty open. 
he has been but he's always been pretty open in terms of of of, of seeing things through his particular viewpoint so if it's a situation where they interview Bill and he goes on about how, well, I, I, I need to go out there and make things believable. So when I when I get posted on the ring post, I need to really get posted. And for him, that means actually ringing his bell on the ring post head first. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how he's described it before. It's like, I got to make sure when I'm in there, everything seems believable. So if I get tossed with the ring post, I got to hit it head first. Yeah. Which is, it's not what pro wrestling's about. <laughs> You're not supposed to injure yourself. I wouldn't really think Because so, then uh... if you injure yourself, the chance you can injure other people. Yeah, exactly. Like you almost did here. Uh, anyways, that's it for our Undertaker Last Ride episode three, the end of an era episode. Uh, let us know what you guys thought in the comments below. Thanks for watching, and until next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.